Hey there, this is Caitlin. I'm doing this week's edition of Hot Seat Critiques. Just so you know, there are a bunch more of these over on our Patreon. Um, And I'd really encourage you to go check out our Patreon. Right now, we're kind of in this weird spot where the podcasting crew here is having more and more demands on their time. And it's getting more and more difficult to produce the podcast unless we bring other people on. And we don't want to bring other people on unless we pay them, which is kind of ironic because we don't make any money off of the podcast. But it seems crappy to ask people to work for you without paying them. So that's what the Patreon is all about. And right now it's kind of we're in like this spot where either we need extra help or we're not going to be able to continue doing it. So and I just feel like this is a thing that the community needs. And so I would really love to continue So, I mean, if you can, please come help us. We would really love it. So, um, here's this week. I'm setting my timer right now. You guys get to hear me set my timer because that's how prepared I am to do this. I've been on deadline for like three months now over two books and I'm dying. But this is is important, so we're going to do this. Okay, ready, set, go. Start. Charlotte scrolled over the Mercer website and reread the article on corporate news as if the text would change Caleb Kincaid completed a successful appointment in Rome after his selection as the new vice president of East Coast Endeavors in Mercer's New York headquarters. Mr. Kincaid brings a legacy of innovative solutions and is eager to take charge of his new role. Do you like my cool voice that I'm using for this? It's in italic, so it seems like it should be in some kind of an announcer voice. Um, this guy sounds cool. There's a striking picture next picture of the man next to the post. She couldn't help but notice his square jaw and dark full eyebrows on a confident brow. And a double brow there, eyebrows and brow, they kind of like go together. Um, his hair was longer than she recalled, and he looked more like a model than a corporate vice president. Ooh, old flame or old high school friend or, yeah. Dang, it's true. Sorry, I don't swear, so I'm going to edit this. Charlotte mumbled. Excuse me? The high-pitched sound, oh, sorry. Excuse me? The high-pitched sound of her boss's voice sounded over the phone, reminding her that she was still on speaker. I'm, I'm sorry, Renee, you were saying? Charlotte said. Mercer is creating a new position in my department, a global marketing marketing specialist. I think this is a great opportunity for you, and I've been asked for a shortlist of preferred candidates. Have you ever considered relocating to New York? Of course I have. Excitement rolled over. Sorry, that of course I had was me reacting to the guy with the, the eyebrows and the brow. Um, I'm now looking back to see what this um, submissions genre is because I'm getting adult romance definitely from this beginning and it doesn't have actually the submission doesn't say what genre it is which by the way you guys should do that tell us what genre you guys are so that we can pair you with guests appropriately we've had so many people submit like horror to like a a a romance writer whatever and it just it's not the best fit for a critique I mean they could give you one but it's not going to be um, like if someone professionally writes romance they're not going to be great at horror beats and someone who writes fantasy isn't going to be great at like contemporary YA whatever beats so anyway it's good for you guys to put your sorry I'm just going to talk about submission guidelines for this whole thing the whole 20 minutes anyway excitement rolled over her spine Ooh, lots of body stuff this definitely is a romance and she stopped herself from tapping her pen incessantly on the desk in her home office move to New York she said after everything you've been through I thought you might like the idea of a permanent change oh so we got a little bit of Hinted backstory. Obviously, I can't promise you the position, but I can promise to give you a robust recommendation. As I said, there is a new VP for East Coast Endeavors, Caleb Kincaid, your new boss. He will have a vote on the new position. Do you know him? Renee said. 
No, I, I don't know any of the VPs personally, Charlotte lied. Ooh, why? Interesting. No, don't worry, it's not necessary. You know me, and that should be enough. I'm, I know I'm dropping this bomb on you late on a Friday, so think about it this weekend. If you're interested, we can work on your application next week. I appreciate you thinking of me. I, I am interested in a new position in New York. I don't need time to think about it. Great, I'll push the board to get the position advertised. I'll be in touch next week, Renee said. Oh, we have a capital S. Sorry, typos. I'm editing right now, and so when I see typos, I'm like, no. So it looks like Renee, her last name is said. It doesn't really matter that much. Thanks again, Charlotte said. A move, lots of saids. Now that I've said said, I'm like, said, said, said. Make sure you, uh, your dialogue tags are varied. A move from Virginia to New York offered a clean break, a fresh start where no one knew about her past. Ooh, more hints. It was like a neon sign pointing north. She had been working incessantly on Mercer PR projects throughout the U.S. for seven years. In the last two years, she threw herself into her work traveling almost every week, and it was starting to wear on her. New York held the most opportunity within her company and her field of PR and marketing, but it meant leaving her family behind in Virginia. Okay, so all of this, like, actual thought about the position, after all of the buildup with Caleb, Caleb Kincaid, like, is he really not going to play into her thoughts in this? I mean, even if it's silly and her being like, that's a stupid reason to be thinking about this, which, you know, I mean, it would be completely moving and changing your job over some dude's eyebrows. But, I mean, it's because of the introduction and the, and the way that it, like, really hit her when... Because obviously this, like, the beginning, the blurb, I thought it was like an excerpt from a magazine where she was like seeing this old guy in like a magazine. She's like, wow, he did well for himself and his hair is so beautiful. But no, it's somebody reading to her over the phone saying this guy could be your new boss and your new boss is somebody that you like, obviously, possibly at least are very much attracted to. Sounds like an old flame slash somebody I wish I'd gotten together with but didn't. Um, so just thought. Caleb Kincaid's promotion was a new reason for her to make a shift within the company. Oh, well, I guess there it is. But really? Well, I don't know. He was the one man... She didn't want to work with, much less work for. It had been easy to avoid him while he'd worked overseas, but now with his promotion, she fell under his management. If she worked out of the New York office, she would still cross paths with Caleb, but he wouldn't be in her direct management chain. The only other speed bump on a move to New York was telling her little sister, Megan. So I like the little hint about Megan. I am wondering about Caleb because there weren't any negative connotations when she saw his picture before but suddenly now she's like I can't see him so I don't even know if it's like a I can't see him he sexually harassed me I can't see him because I'm in love with him and he's not in love with me back you know like there there aren't enough pointers like there aren't enough um pointers is the wrong word there aren't enough things pointing me in the right direction to know how I should be feeling about Caleb and, and to know whether this is a romance or whether it's like an expose on workplace, sexual harassment, or like a, a, a family dramedy, dra dramedy, a family drama. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. Closing her laptop, she checked her watch. It was already three o'clock and she was meeting Megan and her best friend Allie for a girl's weekend in the Shenandoah Valley. So Megan's older. So all of them are older. All of them are adults. She had a two-hour drive to Allie's cabin Oh, she owns a cabin. She's definitely an adult. To think of a good way to tell them that she wanted to move from their hometown. Oh, so she's been thinking about this for a while? She's really taking this quick. Interesting. Ten, I mean, like, usually there's some thought. I guess she kind of went straight into it and was like, nope, I'm moving. Great. And so she's already, it seems like this is really quick processing. Like, there's no thoughts about it. Especially since, I mean, we're hinting at the, I would like to move away from here. I mean, because of Caleb. I mean, on the same level where before I was like, maybe she should think about Caleb if she's so obsessed with him. Right now I'm thinking maybe she should think a little bit more about Caleb if she's so obsessed with him that she's moving away from him. 
I don't know. It depends on on what genre. We're back to the. I'm not sure what genre this is. I'm guessing. I'm still guessing romance. <clears throat> Ten minutes after arising, arriving at the rustic log cabin, they were all sitting out on the deck. That is a very quick transition. My goodness. Um, maybe put in a line break with maybe. Um, sitting on the deck of the backyard that overlooked the lake where Megan set out appetizers and wine for their first night away. What took you so long to get here, Megan asked. My boss called me to offer me a job in New York. I think I want to take it. I would have to move to New York permanently, Charlotte said. What do you mean move to New York? Why? Megan said. I mean, she just told her for a new job. Cool. Charlotte planned to mention the job opportunity more subtly, but had never had any tact in holding back information, especially from her sister, but definitely from the reader because there's a lot of tact here. She's keeping a lot back from us. Um, This scene is moving really quick. There's not a whole lot of grounding. I mean, there is. I know that they're in a rustic log cabin and there's food, but I'm not sure where Megan is or what they're doing. Like, are they eating? Is this right when she walked in? Is this the first thing that she says? I'm getting a job. What took you so long? Okay, so I guess it kind of is 10 minutes after arriving. So, I mean, this just seems really abrupt. So maybe think about setting your scene. Um, I'm already in prescriptive mode. I'm so sorry. But like, um, a lot of times easing into this stuff makes it feel a lot more full. Like Megan, I have no frame of reference for who this girl is other than she's her sister. So I don't know why other than not wanting your family to move away, she wouldn't want her to. And I'm not getting any hints here. It's just a family conflict. You know what I mean? Where you're like, there's this nominal thing that might stand in the way, but I don't actually feel that it's a real thing. So it just feels like a fake obstacle at this point, and that Megan's not actually going to play into the story anymore because we haven't gotten any more information from her. I'm also noticing those um, dialogue tags are asked, said, asked, said. So maybe look at those. Um, Allie slowly lowered her phone and stopped furiously typing. That's double adverbs in a row. Typing while she waited to hear Charlotte's response. Her blunt bob tilted as she studied Charlotte. See, we already know more about Allie than we do about Megan. We've already gotten her reacting to it like lowering the phone and her blunt bob and that she's furiously typing so i mean all of those things say more about Allie than we know about megan and it seems like megan's more important in this story maybe because it's a great opportunity to move up within my firm and it's an impressive promotion to oversee pr for all global projects that's a lot of information for this kind well i mean unless the book is about the actual job new york is the mecca for pr and marketing i need to change a scene charlotte said Have you considered selling the condo and getting a new place in D.C. for a change of scene? Oh, we're in D.C. Okay. Her best friend, Allie, I guess we knew she was in Virginia. Well, I guess D.C. and Virginia. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, I will take it. I'm fine with that. Her best friend, Allie, interjected before. Oh, her best friend, Allie. See, for the first time we're introduced to Allie. It's not her best friend, but this time it is. Interesting. Um, Interjected before her sister could launch into a spastic retort to her announcement. Okay, so what's our... What's our emotional response here? Like she's, okay, this is, for one thing, it's a little bit out of voice. I'm This book seems to be from Charlotte's POV. And so we have Allie interjecting for a reason that Charlotte couldn't know unless Allie always does this because her sister consistently goes into spastic retorts about stuff, which she's not braced for that or anything. She's not like, like, I'm not sure what Charlotte is expecting or why or how or, like, why she even thinks it's an issue. And I would love just a little bit more. See, here I am being prescriptive again. Um, I would love a little bit more. I am being prescriptive <laughs> to know what's going on here before I'm in the situation so I know what to expect and I know what to feel. 
And I know what Charlotte's feeling as she's feeling it rather than trying to guess. Okay. Let's see. I've considered selling and staying in the area, but that won't give me the promotion in my firm. The position is highly competitive and will challenge my expertise in PR. It is the next logical step for my career. It's only a two-hour trip by train. You can both come up and visit me. We can spend the weekends at the Rockefeller Center on Broadway and eating cheesecakes, Charlotte said. Okay, see... Spend weekends at the Rockefeller Center on Broadway and eating cheesecake. Like, one, I could see this totally being, like, the tourists. This is what we do in New York. This is what I know New York for. And so she's kind of being, like, naive and silly and making fun of herself for saying those things because I've never been to New York, and even I know those are really touristy, silly things to say, right? Um, but I don't know whether she's saying them like facetiously and sillily, there's an adverb for you. Um, I can't tell, like right now, all of the dialogue is reading is really like, I am a robot and I am going to do this. Here are all of my, like, I'm not sure why she's presenting it this way. Like, is she doing it this way? Because it's the only way to convince Megan. Like if she gives her a list and says, it's really important for me. It's a really good idea. And I don't know if she actually believes it herself and that she wants the job or if she's just presenting this front. So like, it feels like the setup of the book, like this is a really great opportunity, I should take it, but I don't know how Charlotte actually feels about it. <clears throat> you hate the theater, Megan Wind, did you like my windy voice? But you don't, and I won't have to travel as much either, so we might actually see each other more, Charlotte said. Yeah, and actually it said earlier that she had been to New York. She was traveling back and forth from New York, right? Am I not remembering that correctly? This is a problem with reading and critiquing at the same time, you can't scroll back. Um, so she, I mean... Anyway, popping down on the lounge chair, Charlotte looked out at the still lake that sat in the backyard in the heart of the picturesque Shenandoah Valley. In the backyard? In the heart. That's a little bit of an awkward sentence. Maybe look at it. This cabin was surrounded by lush green trees, birds chirping, and a view of mountains. They were gathered under the guise of a girl's trip. I thought it was a girl's trip, but Charlotte knew it was Allie and Megan's attempt to make sure she didn't fall apart that particular weekend. Oh, well, see, that's got all sorts of emotional, interesting stuff going on with it. Like, with the car ride up there, is she mad that they're doing this? Is she appreciative? Is she happy? Is she bracing herself because them trying to hold her together is going to make it worse? Like, what? what's Charlotte feeling? I want to know more. Um, but that really depends on if this is like a political thriller where all we need is the facts and maybe some knifing and stuff. Um, in a political thriller, I'm really good at genres, guys. Um... Or if it is a romance, because if it's a romance, it's going to be all about Charlotte and what she's going through and how the guy makes it worse and or better and then worse and then better. So depending on what – I mean, either way, I feel like I need to know what Charlotte is thinking here and I don't. Um, that all sounds very logical to me too. That was – yeah. But you don't want to be so far away. Are you sure you're being honest with yourself about why you're moving, Megan said? It's been two years, Meg. I'm not running away from losing Sam. I've been living the life I shared with him alone all this time. But I think it's time for me to move forward. I think this job is the change I need. Okay, definitely romance. That was what she's telling herself since the idea took root. Oh, see, I would have loved to know that that's what she was telling herself when the idea took root because we were there for her. We were there with her when, it, when she first was like, no, this is a good idea. Which actually, now that I think about it, like the fact that she just jumped on that, it was really abrupt. And I think I mentioned that back there. But like none of this processing happened back there. And so the fact that this is a surprise to me as the reader, even though I'm inside Charlotte's head, like 
I would love to know some of this before so that when she's going to her friend and her sister, she's already like defensive and like, no, this isn't about this guy I lost. I'm guessing her husband died, it looks like, husband or boyfriend or something. Um, or girlfriend, I suppose. Sam is, I think it could go either way. Um, so like there's a lot of emotional turmoil that's got to happen both from moving away from like a difficult situation like that or or even like trying to explain it to your family members. Um, like there's got to be so much going into this. I just would love some more of it. Um, lots of ums today. I think that sounds like a great opportunity. And you can always move back home if New York isn't the right fit, Ellie said. To new opportunities, Ellie held up her glass. Oh, double Ellie dialogue. Um, Charlotte clinked her glass to Ellie's and Megan reluctantly lifted hers. That's very abrupt. Wow, this is the whole discussion we're getting from them. It's not a done deal yet, Meg. I still have to apply. That's for sure. That's true. We both know you'll be selected. Mercer would be crazy not to promote you. Megan kicked off her converse and sat further back on her lounge chair with a pout. There is one person with a vote that may not have such confidence in me, Charlotte said. Do tell, said Allie, just as her phone chimed with multiple texts. Wow, that's interesting. She hid her phone under the pillow and stared at Charlotte eagerly, waiting for details. So that's a great like character moment where she's getting texts and this is more important to her. I'm not sure why multiple texts. Is Allie just very popular? Cool. Um, she could practically see Allie's award-winning journalistic mind churning. The woman was like a bloodhound sniffing out the truth. Was she? It didn't seem like that's what was... See, between the two of them, it seems like she isn't pushing back on this whole moving to New York thing. And this seems like a really huge drop of, like, award-winning journalistic mind. Um, instead of, like, having Allie working on something when they get there and having her ask about, like, a much more natural scene, since I'm being super prescriptive already, you don't have to do this, and please don't. Do come up with something that works for you. But, like, it's a lot easier to see things about people when you show them because you see them doing them, and the reader comes to their own conclusions instead of being told them. Allie's award-winning journalistic mind-churning, like... You're telling me, and that's great, but it doesn't mean anything to me because I don't see the evidence of it on the page. It feels like a cardboard cutout of a character instead of a character who I can see with her mind churning and, and the way she interacts with, with Charlotte. And, like, uh, your characters need to, like, show us who they are rather than having the author inform us that they are this way, whether or not they act like that, if that makes sense. Okay. Do you remember the story I told you years ago about my embarrassing debacle in Rome with my colleague? That seems like a really awkward way to say that. Embarrassing debacle in Rome with my colleague. Cool. I was engaged to Sam at the time, and it was a few months before our wedding, Charlotte said. A devilish smile broke out on Megan's face, and she wiggled her eyebrows. You mean the Italian rendezvous you had with a man you said was like an alluring magnet? Of course we remember. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So um, I would say look at this prose and just think if you were sitting down – I'm assuming this author is a woman – um, if you were sitting down with your friends, would you say any of this stuff? And like, how, how are all these characters different when they're talking? Like Megan has gone from being somebody who's a little bit mad, it seems like to somebody who waggles their eyebrows. Well, and then she accused her of like running away from her feelings in there somewhere. This conversation has really hit a lot of points. Um, like how are or who these people are informing the way they speak to each other and what they're interested in and um, the way they take something. Um, yeah, like it, ju it just seems like all of the dialogue in this is is moving towards a conclusion without actually being um, informed by the people who are saying it, if that makes sense. 
I, I just feel like this is like the obligatory first chapter that's setting up the romance rather than the one that like makes me excited to see it unfold, I guess, because I don't understand the people who are involved in this. And it just seems like cut, you know, here's what's, you know, like, have you ever watched a Hallmark movie where you're like, oh, look, there's the girl, there's the boy, here's the awkward meet. Like, you know exactly what's going to happen right before it happens, you know, down to the, the stairway descent into the ballroom and the pretty dress and the guy looking up and, you know. In order to avoid that, you have to have characters who really mean what they say and they, it, it's coming from somewhere real, if that makes sense. I have about 28 seconds left. Let's see, but we must finish the sentence because I feel like it's important. The alluring magnet. Of course we remember. The hot guy kissed you and you freaked out. It was the first time I ever saw you off balance, Megan said. Well, is it? I guess it was the first time, the first of many times. How does Charlotte feel about that? Does it make her realize that there have been many times since that... That she's been off balance? Is it important to her to not be off balance? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to finish this paragraph. You broke out in hives from all your worries, worrying for weeks after. Didn't you tell Sam the week before the wedding because you were afraid to have any secrets from him before you said I do? Ellie said, okay, so we know she's married. She was married. Oh my gosh, I remember all that pink lotion you kept putting all over the hives. They didn't go away until you confessed. Megan laughed. Okay, so based on, I think I've, I've given a pretty... I think that's, you know, pretty much what I think about this. Um, it goes on for, I think I only read about half of it, but this sounds like a really fun premise. I mean, fun romances are awesome, but the thing that really makes them are characters and the characters and how they interact and how you love the best friends and the sisters and like, and, and, and just really feeling things along with people. That's the, the reason people read romances is because they want to feel everything along with the characters. And I'm really missing feelings in general in this one it's a lot of dialogue without a lot of processing and it seems like it's kind of stilted dialogue I mean I love the idea though this concept is great so keep writing you are awesome please check out our patreon and check out the other um, hot seat critiques we're doing there is an episode about romance specifically and how to make characters really sing in romance from Amina May Safi from a couple episodes back so it might be a good one to listen to if this is something you're working on okay so I went back and, and listened to what I'd read, and I just had one more thing I wanted to say. So we do get a little bit of a hint about this guy. She was reading the guy's bio on the website, and she's like, oh, no, this guy's my boss. What am I going to do? He kissed me. So I feel like this is a classic case of keeping a secret from the reader in order to increase tension when actually knowing the situation would make the tension a lot bigger and also would make what she's doing make a little more sense. So um, take that for however you want to. We have another episode on that. Yay, I'm plugging all of our old episodes. This one's the one with Don Wan Song from earlier in the summer. So he talks about how just revealing stuff, revealing secrets, there we go, increases tension rather than withholding it. Give it a listen. You guys are awesome. Keep listening and we'll see you next week in two weeks. This is a bonus episode. It's probably next week. We'll see you guys.